Parents, if you haven't checked your children in yet, please make sure you stop by the table and check them in before they go downstairs so that you uh, are able to pick them up after as well. Uh, don't forget, again, tomorrow morning, 7 to 9, I'll be at Aroma. I'd love to see you there. And uh, had some great conversations this last week. Looking forward to uh, tomorrow as well. Tuesday night is our family meeting here at the church starting at 7 o'clock. We're going to be talking uh, a lot about uh, name change and the building relocation, a possible sale of the building. And so you'll want to be here for that. Uh, Tuesday night information is in your program there as well. So this morning... We have Mao and Brittany all the way from Turkey today, and they're going to come in just a moment and share. Uh, but for those of you that do not know, uh, Brittany was raised here in Huron and uh, was a part of our church, or part of our youth group. I believe she started coming about the same time that Christy and I moved here and uh, went from here to Trinity Bible College, and she finished her degree. She came back here and went on staff with us for a number of years and served as an associate pastor with us until Jacob Bach came and stole her away to Spain. And then Mal was in Spain also. Uh, he grew up in Mexico, was in Spain working with Ju Jacob and Julie Bach, and uh, he stole her away permanently and uh, no hope of her ever coming back. But uh, we have grown to love him as much as we love her and uh, I know, and it's okay because Jacob Bach also gave us Pastor John and Heather. So, you know, it's all good. I'm, I'm not angry at him at all. Uh, he's, he's restored to us what he's taken. And so, but they're going to share an update on what God is doing in their lives and in Turkey. They're going to share from the word. I know you're going to be blessed. And I told them they have 45 minutes. So they're going to take all 45 because I went long. So would you make them feel welcome as they come this morning? So this is our little one, Alonso. Just wanted to introduce him very quickly. He was saying, I want to go with Grandpa. I want to go with Grandpa. Okay, go ahead. Grandma's over there. Um, last time I was here was uh, December 2015. So it's been about two years and a half since uh, I'm not, I've not been able to be here. So it's been just amazing days uh, knowing a little bit more the town where Brittany grew up. It's a complete different world from where I come from. Uh, I was born in Mexico City. It's a 20 million uh, people uh, population. So um, I really love uh, Huron. I love the quiet and I love the just like being away from, from uh, the big noise because sometimes it's just hard to, to, to listen to God and just to um, get, get still uh, when you are surrounded for, uh, by many, many things. In the city we live, it's a 4 million population uh, city. So it's still a big city uh, where we live in Turkey. And uh, so it's really nice. Uh, thank you so much for opening the doors here. We really feel it's like family. And I feel like we are on Christmas, even though it's the month of June. Um, but it feels like that. It feels like Christmas. And that's amazing. We just want to tell you guys thank you so much for your support. You guys support us monthly, and truly, it is a blessing to us. We couldn't do what we do without you guys. I was just talking to a friend when, uh, in the foyer a little bit, and this church is a missions church since its foundation, since it began. Huron, South Dakota, has been sending out missionaries. And truly, it's amazing because this is not a huge town. This is not a huge church, but... 
for for the for the smallness of the church the church has sent out missionaries and so for me it just says something about about you guys as a church about your generosity about God's heart for this church and just about I just think that it's something even spiritual like something God stamped on this church from the beginning that this is a missions church people will be sent out from here and I don't think that I'm going to be the last and I definitely not the first I just believe that God is even going to call people today. As I was sitting there, I thought there's at least one person in this room that God is going to call to international ministry uh, somewhere else. But then I also had the thought that God is calling this church at this time to go out into this community because they need the gospel. They need Jesus. They need to know that, that Jesus set them free from their sins and they can live for eternity with him. They can live a life free of all of the junk that this world piles on us. And I just, I want to encourage you guys. You guys are also missionaries. We are not better than anyone in this room. And we are not on a pedestal, please. If you have any kind of idea like that, just throw it down. Jesus is the one. He is worthy. And we are, we are all on the same page. We are all going out into this lost and dying world. Sorry, I didn't plan on saying that was not a welcome. But I just really had that on my heart and as I was sitting there. I just want to encourage you guys, just reach the city for Jesus. And I just, I'm just so happy to see so many old faces, but so many new faces. And I can see that this church is growing and God is doing something powerful here. And so it's just an honor to be here. It's an honor to be a part of this body. It really is. We feel your prayers. We feel your support. We feel your guys' love, even though we're in a whole nother part of the world. I am a South Dakota girl. I'm a Huron assembly girl uh, and I just I love that and I'm proud of it so anyways that was just a little something there and I I'll just want to tell you guys about a little bit what we do like Pastor Tom said we were in Spain and now we're in Turkey um, so our desire from the beginning of our time in Turkey is not just to go us as a family us three but to bring people to equip people to go into the Middle East not just Turkey but we're starting there because that's what God has given us and so um, we have a team of six young women right now, and we will ha be having two more coming, a young man and a young woman. They'll come with us in August. So we're really excited. Pray for us. The team just keeps growing and growing, and our desire is not to just fill up one church. So there's a few different churches in the city that we're living in, and we ha we're all kind of distributed. And our desire is to serve the local church, to get planted, to love on people, to, to encourage the missionaries that are already there. And just to get trained. We're training them, but they're also receiving language classes. And actually, we're also receiving language classes. And little by little, we are learning Turkish. Mao's Turkish is pretty awesome. Mine is okay. Um, and and that's, that's just our heart, to raise up workers. We call missionaries workers in Turkey. Um, to raise up workers throughout the entire Middle East. And I forgot to say, from Latin America. Not just from here, but from Latin America. That's our heart. Mao is Mexican, and we just feel like um, in, the, in, in South America and, and, and Central America areas, the Spanish-speaking world, better said, um, they have been receiving missionaries for so long that they're equipped. Actually, revival is happening in many countries in, in, the, in, in that area of the world, the Spanish-speaking world, and we just believe it's time. It's time for them to get sent out also. And so we want to be a bridge. We want to be a door. Specifically, the word God gave us was be a door for Latin America, the Spanish-speaking world, to come into the Middle East, to share the gospel. And so that's what our heart is. We're, we're doing all of that through um, teams, 
Social media is a big thing. YouTube, Facebook. Um, if you ha know anyone that speaks Spanish, our, our group is called Precios a Sangre. That's our, our nonprofit association. And you can look that up online. It's all in Spanish. But if you guys want to see what we're up to on a kind of weekly basis, um, you can go to Mauricio and Brittany Reyes, R-E-Y-E-S, on Facebook. And there's updates kind of all the time, pictures of, of us and different things like that. I have one little story that I just want to share really quickly. I'm sorry. I think I'm taking up way too much time. Um, and that is just that this is a family thing. Um, the other day, you know, our perspectives can kind of get like a little out of whack sometimes when things aren't going our way or things are hard because it's, it's been hard. It's not easy to live in another country and learn a new language or even a, a, a third language. Um, but Alonso and I go to his daycare every morning. We ride the bus. So we get on the bus with our stroller and I'm there. And this particular morning, I kind of got myself into a weird position. I had my back to the, to the window and Alonso was in front of me, and I was kind of pinned in the corner of where, where the, the strollers go. And all of a sudden, a fight broke out right here, <laughs> right in front of us. And there was no escape. It just was kind of an awkward moment. Um, there wasn't, like, punching, but there was some pushing. And then there was, like, some really harsh words. I understood what was going on because I do understand quite a bit of Turkish. And, you know, it just it was a very uncomfortable situation. So the situation calmed down. And from the stress of the whole thing, I just started crying. And so I'm on the bus and tears, and I can't face away. You know, you, you want to, like, turn your back on everyone. But I was, like, pinned in there. So I wasn't going anywhere. So I'm just standing in the bus crying. And you start to hear the word for, oh, she's a foreigner. She's a foreigner. She's a foreigner. I could hear it. She's a foreigner. So I start, I'm crying more, you know. Oh, what am I doing here? I can't do this. This is a horrible place. These people, you know, that's honest. That's my heart. These people, you know. And it's like, that's wrong. I know it's wrong. But all of a sudden, little Alonso over there, sorry, I cry every time I say this, but he looks at the guy who started the fight, and in English he sings, Are you saved? Are you saved? Are you saved? Saved by grace, all by grace. And he's looking this guy right in the eye. I don't know if he understood him or not. I really highly doubt it. But the guy was engaged. And he's just looking right at him. And Alonso's looking at him. And I'm like, oh, then I cry more. I'm like, my child's an evangelist. And I'm like these people. And he totally just like slapped me upside the head. And, and God used the faith of a child. So really what Pastor Tom was saying this morning, the faith of a child. Oh, may we all have an evangelist heart of a child. Just where it comes out of love. And what comes out of us, even in these crazy situations where you just want to cry and scream and blame, is just the love of God and the gospel would just flow from us. And so it's been interesting. We actually see that guy every single day. And every single day now, from now on, he helps me onto the bus with the stroller. He takes my, my ticket card and he scans it and he brings it back to me in the bus. And, and so I'm really praying for an opportunity to share with him. It's a little hard because he's a man. And it's a little bit awkward between a man and a woman to talk in public. But anyways, God is so good. He's giving us opportunities. We love you guys. We thank you for, for having us. And we, I just want to hug every single one of you. So here's a hug for all of you. Okay. Yeah, it's been um, very interesting months that we've had. As you've heard, uh, Julie Bog passed away. Uh, it was a very hard time for us. They were like our our spiritual parents uh, in Spain, 
I was able to go to Spain for the funeral and for the prayer service. And um, also our pastor in Turkey has been in jail for almost two years. Uh, Andrew Bronson, we went to work with him. So we have been asking God, what are you teaching us? Because uh, both uh, Jacob and Julie Buck and both uh, Andrew and Noreen Bronson are, have been passing through a very hard time. Um, and I just, I just felt uh, God spoke, speaking to my heart, like, I'm giving you witnesses that are showing you how to live and how to uh, go through suffering and go through hard times. Because most of the times we don't know how to deal with that because we have not had witnesses. But God has been really good with us, and he has given us uh, these couples that have shown us how to uh, stay faithful, how to keep serving. Um, just the, the example that Julie gave to us until the very end, just being on the street, preaching, and sharing her faith, they decided not to come back to the U.S., but to spend the, the last months of her life uh, doing what they were doing, which is preaching on the streets. And uh, Noreen Branson now, uh, she's she's in Turkey. Her husband is uh, in in jail. She she's able to speak with him 30 minutes every every week. Uh, their three children are here in the U.S. They cannot go to Turkey, and every single week, every single meeting, she's uh, in the very first row, just worshiping and raising up her hands. And uh, after the meetings, she comes to us and to every single member of the church and asks how she can pray for us. And we just feel like this tiny because we are not going through that. And she is. And she has decided not to look uh, into her own pain, but to serve others. So in the times where you feel like uh, you deserve the most to look at your own pain and to look at your own suffering, they have decided to look out and to serve and to praise Jesus and, and to not, um, not become so obsessed with yourself that you forget what you're doing. So they have given us example. If you're suffering, Keep on serving, keep on praising, keep on praying for others, keep on doing what God has been asking you to do. And um, so it's, it's been hard, but it's been a great school for us. I think uh, it, suffering times will come, and we, now we know what to do. And, um, and God is still showing us, and he's still teaching to us. Um, let's open our Bibles in Philippians chapter 3. God, we praise you for your word. We praise you for what you're doing in the nations. God, we praise you for what you're doing here in Huron, through Huron, and in the U.S. and outside. God, you're amazing. God, thank you that your kingdom is coming to earth. Thank you that we get to collaborate with you. And we praise you for your word, God. And I just pray that you'll speak to us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to read from chapter 3, Philippians chapter 3, the first 14 verses. Um, Paul was in prison when he wrote this letter to the church of Philippi. I don't know how you pronounce it in English. Philippi. Um, he founded that church 10 years before he is writing this letter. He was in prison. So they sent uh, someone to, to see how he's doing, to look after him. And he's sending, he's sending a thank you uh, letter to them to thank them for... Uh, sending this person uh, to him. So he basically saying, I'm doing good. Uh, he's, he's in prison, but he's saying, I'm doing good. Whatever happens to me, it's okay. If I leave, that's great for the sake of the gospel. But if I die, it's great because I will be with Jesus. But the most important thing is how you guys are doing. Are you growing in the Lord? Are, is your faith 
so strong that no matter what circumstances you're going to go through, you're going to still uh, believe in Jesus. Uh, are you trusting him? Are you sharing your faith? So he's saying, whatever happens, my dear brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. I never get tired of telling you these things, and I, didn't, and I do it to safeguard your faith. Watch out for those dogs, those people who do evil, those mutilators who say you must be circum circumcised to be saved. For we who worship by the Spirit of God are the ones who are truly circumcised. We rely on what Christ Jesus has done for us. We put no confidence in human effort, though I could have confidence in my own effort if anyone could. Indeed, if others have reason for confidence in their own efforts, I have even more. I was circumcised, circumcised when I was eight, years, eight days old. I am a pure-blooded citizen of Israel, a member of the tribe of Benjamin, a real Hebrew, if there ever was one. I was a member of the Pharisees, who demand the strictest obedience to the Jewish law. I was so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church. And as for righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage, so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death so that one way or another I will experience the resurrection from the dead. I don't mean to say that I have already achieved these things or that I have already reached perfection, but I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing. Forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead, I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God through Christ Jesus, is calling us. Whatever happens, rejoice in the Lord. And it's hard when you're suffering to rejoice, and it's not an easy command to obey. Uh, we know that. But really, we Christians should be the happiest people on all earth because we know that no matter what, Jesus is with us. And no, no one else has that hope. If you're not a Christian, you have no hope that Jesus is with you no matter what. But we know that he is with us. So we should be uh, showing that to the, to the world, that he gives us strength, that he is um, in every situation. And I just started thinking of people that I know, Christians, that have gone through different things that are not nice. One of her friends in Spain, uh, she was studying for three years, uh, college, and then she found out that she was not going to be able to graduate because uh, her school was a fraud. And those three years... Uh, those three years of studies were completely lost. Like she, that school was not real in a way. So what do you do after knowing like you have been investing three years in something that really does like just completely lost? Um, what happens when you don't get the job you were looking, uh, working for and expecting for so long? Something more basic, your smartphone or tablet falls into the toilet and you have no insurance that pays for it. Or you get diagnosed with a terminal illness or your spouse gets diagnosed and she dies like Jacob Buck. 
or you go to jail for being a Christian in a foreign country, separated from your three children for almost two years, and you don't know if you will get out. Um, so where is our joy coming from? From our security, from our comfort? I just felt that the last, uh, the last year especially that we Christians have made of comfort and security an idol. Like we say, yes, we're going to follow Jesus, but only if it is safe. Yes, I'm going to share my faith, but only if I won't be rejected. Only if I know that I won't go to jail. Only if I know that I can be saved. And I've seen that in Turkey. And I just think the Bible doesn't say that. The Bible says that no matter what, we're supposed to be following Jesus and sharing our faith. And it doesn't promise us that we won't go to jail. In fact, Jesus says, when you go to jail, when you go in front of the tribunes, and, uh, and he says, you can, re you can rely on me. And you don't have to worry because I will, I will tell you what you need to say. But the Bible never promises us comfort and security. Uh, Matthew 6.21 says, wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. And I'm just worried that our generation is placing their treasure in the wrong place. And we're confusing uh, our, the God's plans for our life with our own dreams for personal fulfillment. Like we think that God's plans are that we get su successful or that our own dreams will come true. And it's amazing when your dreams are the same dreams as the, of God's dreams. But what if your dreams have nothing to do with what God dreams for you? So the worst thing that can happen to us is that we are su successful in things that don't really matter. Things that, like, after many years have passed, you say, oh, I've been investing so much time, so much energy, so much money, so much effort into things that are not eternal, into things that will pass away, into things that will perish. So when you focus on eternity, on eternal things, you can know that you're placing your efforts in the right place and no matter what it will it will stay so um make sure you're investing in the right things philippians 3 2 says watch out for those dogs those people who do evil those mutilators who say you must be circumcised to be saved um what's your name you you yes tony tony do you believe in jesus I'm not sure if you knew, but Jesus was a Jew. And because he was a Jew, if you want to be a real Christian, you need to practice all the Jewish rites. You need to eat Jewish food, dress like a Jew, watch Jewish soap operas. And the very, the very first thing you got to do is you have to get circumcised. So that's what these uh, people were teaching to the church in Philippi. And... Um, so they were teaching that the most important thing wasn't really to believe in Jesus, but to live the Jewish lifestyle. And it's so dangerous when we start thinking that the work of Jesus is not enough. When we think that, uh, uh, that we need to do something else beside what Jesus is, beside believing. And that's when legalism starts, when we add to the work of the cross. When we think we need to do something besides what Jesus did to gain the favor of God. So the only thing that matters with legalism is appearances, but it forgets about the heart. And Paul warns us, do not act 
by Christians. Be a Christian. Make sure your heart is right instead of focusing on external things. Um, so we may think like, oh, no, I'm a real Christian because I read my Bible every day. In fact, I have a study Bible. But are we obeying it? Are we believing what we're reading? Oh, I'm a real Christian because all my family is Christian. We have grown in here and since uh, many generations. Everyone is Christian in my family. But have you personally believed in Jesus Christ like your Savior? I'm a real Christian because... Um, even I'm from of the sound doctrine because I only listen to worship music. But how is your heart doing? Is there lust in your heart? Is there gossip in your mouth? Is there judgment in your heart? So we, we think, if we think we're Christians because of things that we do, we are in the wrong place. We're Christians because we put our faith in the only one that can save us. And we turn back to our sin and we start following him and we rely on him. So Jesus says to the church of Sardis, I know all the things you do and that you have a reputation for being alive, but you're dead. And as believers, sometimes we commit this uh, uh, mistake of sharing uh, our faith and, and preaching Christianity as a lifestyle instead of preaching Christianity because Jesus is the only one that saves. So we confuse uh, Christianity and we, we ask people, come become a Christian and start doing this type of lifestyle. Become a Christian and sing the songs we sing in, in, in the West. But in Turkey, they don't, they don't sing that type of, uh, of worship music. They, they have a different way of worshiping. And we're, or you have to dress this way or you have to do these things. So we are not preaching a lifestyle. We're preaching Jesus. Philippians 3, 3 and, uh, to 6 says, For we worship by the Spirit of God. For we who worship by the Spirit of God are the ones who are truly circumcised. We rely on what Christ Jesus has done for us. We put no confidence in human effort. So if there's no faith and if there's no complete surrender to Jesus, then we're not really worshiping. No matter how high you raise your hands or how high you jump, if there's not a real surrender in your heart, we are not worshiping. We're not being Christians at all. And I know that. I grew up in church, and I knew how to live the Christian lifestyle in appearances. I knew how to pray in front of people. I knew how, how to act in front of Christians. But I was living for myself. And I was just living a life uh, that I, I knew was, I was going to hell if I died. And when I went to Spain, uh, I was 19 years old, my first year in college in Spain. I just realized for the first time, this, this is not a game. Life is not a game. And I'm just, I just knew if I died, I'm going to go to hell, and that's eternal. And, and deep conviction of sin started growing in my heart. And that's a, such an amazing gift of, of God. If you know that, that there's something that you, that you need to repent of, that's, you have to be thankful because that's the Holy Spirit telling us, I love you and I don't want you to go to hell. And uh, I just started reading my Bible again. I remember coming back from college to my, to my uh, house and I would spend hours and hours just reading the Bible back again. And it was like the Bible was reading me. And uh, I cannot tell, it was, it was not like just one moment, but it was like four months of crying 
of laying on the floor in my room, in my bedroom, of reading the Bible and the Word of God and just saying, God, I need you. I need you. I need you. I cannot change my heart. I'm so weak. I know where I'm going, but I know you can save me. And it was amazing how God changed my heart. And, and you realize, like, I don't know what happened. It just happened. It was, in a way, it was effortless. But it costs trusting. The cost of following Jesus is trusting and letting go of having control, of letting go of taking things in your own hands and believing that only he can do it. Uh, so we don't worship by appearances. We worship by the Spirit of God. And, um, and Paul was saying, if you put your confidence in the flesh, I will always trump you. I'm a real Jew. I'm not a fake one. I was circumcised when I was eight years old. Tony, what's your last name? What's that? My last name is from the tribe of Benjamin. When did you get circumcised? I was circumcised when I was eight days old. I'm a real Jew. I'm not a fake. In what Bible, Bible school did you study? In that one. I was born in that Bible school. I, I've been memorizing scripture since I was baby. I was, from, I'm a, I was a member of the Pharisees. They, they needed to memorize, like they, tell, they told them, uh, Genesis 5.8, they needed to, to say it right away, even though there were no verses back then. But they knew exactly. Uh, they memorized it by heart so, so hard. They knew it. They completely knew it. So actually, being a Pharisee was not, bad in the beginning. They wanted to know more of the Word of God. They wanted to know more of God. But once uh, they started to put their confidence in that, in their knowledge, then the Word of that or, or that rabbi became more important than the actual Word of God. And um, sometimes we start doing that. We become Pharisees by accident. And we start trusting more our experience. Or we start trusting more our wisdom. Where we say, you know, I've been doing this for many, many years. I know how to do this. And that's such a problem. I remember when we moved to Turkey two years ago, we went there and we thought, oh, we have so much to give to Turkey. So much we can, we can teach them. And in these two years, it's just God showing us, you have nothing to teach them. You have nothing. You are weak. But if you trust in me, I will show you. And no matter how much experience you have, you have nothing. Don't put your trust in that. No matter how much you know the word of God, don't put your trust in your knowledge, but put your trust in Jesus. Because it's always relying on him that, uh, where grace will come from. And there's no other way. Otherwise, you will be frustrated. And you will be like, I thought I knew, but it's not working. And I thought I knew, but, but really it's, nothing is happening. But when we put our trust in Jesus, we rest. And there's, a, there's, there's this rest that comes because you're trying to control things is just tiring. But when you let God do his work and you just collaborate with him, then you can find real um, rest. And you can really take the yoke of Jesus that is uh, light and easy. Philippians 3, 7, 8, it says, I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider, consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless 
when compared with infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage, so that I could gain Christ. So if we haven't lost anything for following Jesus, maybe we were not following. If it hasn't cost you anything, just take a moment and think, am I really following Jesus? He's our reward, but there is a price to pay. And um, he's our inheritance, and nothing compares to being with him. But he told us beforehand, they will deliver you up to councils, and in their synagogues they will scourge you. Brother shall deliver up brother to death, and the father his child, and children shall, raise, shall rise up against parents and cause them to be put to death. They shall they deliver you up into tribulation and shall kill you, and you shall be hated of all the nation for, nations for my name's sake. He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me, and he who loves son and daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he who does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. And you will be hated by everyone because of my name. But it is the one who has patiently persevered and endured to the end who will be saved. Whoever finds his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. And um, those verses are hard. And I, feel, I, I remember uh, some friends from Mexico, they lived in the north part where all the the cartels are, and, and they, they would hear sh uh, shots every single night in their street, and people dead on the streets in their neighborhood. And uh, I remember they're sharing how they are, they are pastors there, and they have little children, and the wife uh, shared this story where she would just be, like, completely uh, afraid for their children. And, um, and then once she met a missionary from Africa that experienced something similar, actually, uh, one of her children's died in Africa, killed by by people there, and uh, she was asking her, "Can you pray?" Because she was she would just see this missionary from Africa with so much joy, even though she lost a child, and she was like uh, in bondage of fear. And this missionary from Africa told her, "Hey, if you're not willing to let God be in charge of your children, then you're not worthy of Jesus." And that was like a strong word. You want to feel, you want to hear something else, right? But that word set her free. And, and she realized, yes, I cannot have the control of my family all the time. But I can trust in Jesus. And I can give him the, the control. And I can ask him to take care of my family. And he knows. And maybe it won't be easy. And maybe like this uh, missionary in Africa, they killed um, one of, of her children. But he will give you grace. To go through that and uh, one of our friends in Turkey he got saved when he was 17 he comes from a radical Muslim family we met him four years ago um, he, ha he had only been three years uh, Christian when we met him and when he got saved he uh, he started attending church weekly but he wouldn't tell his family he was a Christian and six months uh, af uh, after doing that he felt a, str a strong conviction from the Holy Spirit that he should not be lying to his family every week. So he would not tell them where he was going. So he finally decides to tell them, even though he knew that something was going to happen. And of course, there was a huge, huge reaction in his family. They brought his grandfather. Uh, they told him he needed to go immediately to the mosque. 
to get prayed for by the imam uh, there because he had been brainwashed. And he's like, no, I'm, I, I know what I have done. I, I know I'm a Christian. I've not been brainwashed. And then they told him, you cannot do that to us. What are our neighbors going to do? What the rest of the family? It's like a huge shame to be a Christian. We've, uh, we've, we're Muslims. And then they told him, you need to decide. If you want to still be part of our family, then you need to uh, renounce and, and don't go to church anymore. Or you need to leave our house right now. So he took his backpack and he left when he was 17. And he lived in uh, different couches from families from the church for about a year. Then a year later, he went to do his uh, military service. Then when he came back, he started working there in, in a factory. And uh, his family never, ever uh, forgave him still today. He lost his family. In, in the Middle East, family is one of the highest values. Like, it's just very, very, very important. And uh, I just see these verses, and I just, I just think he is worthy of Jesus because he decided that Jesus was more important than his family, his own family. Um, then two years ago, he married um, a girl from the church. She's a missionary from America. So he called uh, his parents, let them know that he was going to get married, and they reacted even worse. They said, this is worse than being a Christian if you married an American if you marry an American girl. So um, they, they didn't go to the religious ceremony. They went to the normal ceremony of the wedding, like the party. And, and they, they wanted them to do the Islamic rituals during their wedding. So it was just crazy chaos. We were there in, in that wedding. And you just see the reaction of the families uh, that didn't, of his family that didn't want him uh, to marry a Christian. They wanted him to, and her to become to go back to Muslim Islam. So you see, there's a price, and people are paying a price. And I see Noreen Bronson every week, and you see her, and, and having joy is not smiling all the time. She is not smiling all the time. But you just see her, that she's, she has peace in her heart. And she's trusting God. And she knows that Turkey is not the enemy. The president is not the enemy. The Muslim people are not the enemy. We know who the enemy is, and we know which are our weapons. And our strongest weapon is prayer. And you just hear praying and praying and praying and praying. And that has uh, given us so much uh, hunger to pray more. So I just encourage you, if you're going through a hard time, just keep on praying. This friend, uh, our friend from, from Turkey, he shared uh, with me um, a month and a half ago, he said, we were in our prayer meeting and the prayer leader was saying, write down a, a prayer request. And he and his wife uh, wrote the name of his, of his little brother. Who is not the, he's like 20 years old. And uh, they have not talked for months with his brother, his little brother. And two hours after the prayer meeting, his little brother called him back. And uh, called him back, no, he called him. And, uh, and he said, I don't know what's happening, but... I just, I just have so much curiosity about what you believe. Can I go to your church next week? And he's like, he couldn't believe it. He couldn't believe in that, that God answered a prayer like two, in two hours. And then uh, he started reading the, he's, he gave him a Bible, so he's starting reading it now. So he's been going to church for six, uh, six weeks by now. He's still not a Christian, but that's just crazy that this 
family that is radical uh, Muslim is starting to to become uh, the, now the the little brother is starting to know about Jesus, and that just made me hunger for more prayer, because sometimes we stop praying, like we don't see an answer and we stop praying, but there's so much power in prayer, and God had made had put this conviction in my heart that those things that I'm not praying for are things that I don't want God to be involved with. So if you don't want God to be involved, don't pray. But if you, go, if you want God to be involved in your situation, you have to pray. You have to go on your knees. You have to open your Bible. You have to get intimate. You have to press through that in prayer. And um, Philippians 3, 9 to 11 um, He's saying, I'm become one with him. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his dead, so that one way or another, I will experience the resurrection from the dead. And it just shocks me. How you want to share in Christ? Christ's suffering, but Paul is, Paul is saying that. I want to suffer with him. I want to share in Jesus' sufferings. Jesus consumes me. I know that when I die, I will finally be with him. He's the lover of my soul. I know that my only righteousness comes from him, not from what I do, not, not from how hard I try, but through believing in him. And the only thing I want is to know him more, to share in his sufferings. And um, So sometimes... Uh, let's keep on reading verse 12 and 14. It says, I don't mean to say that I have already achieved these things or that I have already reached perfection, but I press on to possess that perfection for which, for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing. Forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead, I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, He's calling us. And sometimes we're too introspective. Sometimes we just want to look too much and analyze too much our past, what happened to us when we were younger, even when we were, when we were in our mom's belly. And we think that we can gain so much insight from that. And, um, and I think it's true. I think that things that, of course, things that happened in our past uh, affect us. But what Paul is saying, I don't put my, my energy in. I don't invest in just focusing on that, but I look to Jesus. I forget my past, and there is hope in Jesus. And no matter how hard or how awesome your past was, Jesus is better. Because sometimes it doesn't, it doesn't mean that you, have, you, have, you had to have a horrible past. It could be that you had an amazing past before a Christian. You were awesome. And you keep looking on that like, oh, before I was a Christian. You have to forget about that. For the good or for the bad, when we become Christians, we no longer look back, but we set our eyes on Jesus. And we get our hope from him, not from our own person. And um, so he's our hope, and he's the only one that could set us completely free. Uh, let's read Philippians 3, 18 to 21. It says, for I have told you often before, And I say it again with tears in my eyes that there are many whose conduct shows they are really enemies of the cross of Christ. They are headed for destruction. Their God is their appetite. They 
brag about shameful things, and they think only about his li- this life here on earth. But we are citizens of heaven, where the Lord Jesus Christ lives, and we are eagerly waiting for him to return as our Savior. He will take our weak mortal bodies and change them into glorious bodies like his own, using the same power with which he will bring everything under his control. So this earth is not our home. And don't root yourself here. Even now that we're in Turkey, we see other people and they try so hard to like, and I know like you have to adapt to the culture and and it's part of being a missionary, but you cannot get obsessed with that. I don't want to be known as a Turkish, like that they see me and and they're like, oh, he's Turkish. I don't care if if they think I'm Mexican or if they think I'm Western. I care if they, if they see Jesus in me. That's what really matters. I'm not trying to be, to adapt to their culture, but to be a citizen of heaven. Because really, I don't even try to act like a Mexican or Spaniard. I lived 12, 13 years in Spain. I, I consider Madrid to be my home because I became a Christian there and just big part of it in my heart. But that's not the important. The important thing is, are we growing citizens of heaven are we becoming more like jesus are we living with eternal hope is our really hope coming from the house that jesus is preparing in heaven or are you putting all your trust what you can get here on earth so i just want to pray and i want you to stand up now and the prayer team can come here and pray for you If you have been setting your hope in something else, maybe in your own strength, if you're dealing with things with your own strength and you feel like, this is heavy. Being a Christian, it's kind of hard. If you have this thought in your mind, I want you to come and and receive prayer because we start thinking that being a Christian is a hard thing when when we put our trust in something else besides Jesus. And maybe you're struggling in, in a, with suffering. And, uh, I, and, and like Paul is saying, just forget about the past. And, I, and I, I want you to pray for you. And the prayer team wants to pray for you. Just to check where is your heart right now. Are you completely obsessed with Jesus, with heaven? Are you thinking often about heaven? Or are you thinking often about just life here so just come forward you just want to you want to say hey i want more of god i just want my heart to get deeper into him get rooted in him i want to be obsessed with jesus not with my own life i want to look outside not 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 being introspective but just set my eyes on him i want to receive grace to go through this hard moment like noreen bronson i want to be able to praise through suffering, I want to be able to serve like Jacob Buck, even after losing his wife. This grace only comes from Jesus because we're weak. So if you if you want to receive prayer, let's just come forward. You want someone else to pray for you. God, we need you. We're weak, God. We're so weak, Jesus. You're amazing and you love us so much. God, and I just want to pray for this church and bless them, God. 
God, I thank you for what you're doing in, in this church, God. God, I thank you that they're relying on you, God. God, I thank you that from here you have sent people to all the nations. I thank you that from here you have raised people to take the gospel to so many different places, God. God, and I pray that also from here, all Huron will be reached, God. God, I, I pray that you will take away all fear. I pray against all unbelief. I pray against all self-trust, God. I pray that our confidence will only come from you, God. We honor you, Jesus, and we are so thankful for the Holy Spirit in us. God, I just pray that you will use our weaknesses to glorify the name of Jesus. God, use our weak efforts and do something great with that, God. God, we bring everything before you. We pray that you use it. God, we bring our hearts. God, and I also pray that you will pour out a spirit of intercession in this church, God. God, I just pray that you will raise intercessors here, God. I just pray that you will just pour spirit of intercessions upon every member here, God, that this will be a church that prays. God, that will be this will be a house of prayer, God, that this will be a church that goes deep into prayer, God, that they know how to fight the good fight. I bless Pastor Tom and Christy, God. I, I bless them, God. I bless their ministry here, God, and I bless every single member here. God, I just praise that I just praise you for what you're doing through this family, God. Thank you for for our brothers here and here, God. I just pray that just you'll reach all this city, God. God, we pray that people will be able to see that they need you, God. God, we pray for those that think that they are Christians, but they are not, God. But we pray that you will open their eyes, that you will give them this, this amazing gift of conviction of sin. And that they will see how much they need a Savior. God, I pray that you will give them grace to repent. Grace to put their faith in you, God. We love you so much, Jesus. You're so worthy. You're the joy of our hearts, Jesus. You're amazing, Lord. We bless your name this morning. Amen.